This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. Actually, it's going to be Pastor Nancy Dufresne, so stay tuned because she is really good. Good evening, everyone. We're so glad to get to be with you. It is our privilege to, and our honor to be here. Your pastors are precious to me. I love them. I love them. I love them. And we fit. And uh, it just is a, a pleasure to be with them and to be with you tonight. We have a few items back at the book table. We want you to get hold of them. A supernatural prayer life. And... Uh, how many of you know that when we pray, we should be getting results? Yeah. Uh, Dad Hagen challenges, challenges me. He makes a statement when he said, since I learned how to pray, I've not had one prayer unanswered. Woo. That's what God intends. We're not playing church. That's right. God intends that we bear fruit. Yeah. And uh, it's not okay to just practice something because it's a spiritual act and it not bear fruit. And so we should be expecting that there's an answer to every single prayer. Dad Hagen also made this statement. He said, when I would pray and would not receive the answer that the word says is mine, he said, then I start looking, where am I missing it? Because he said, I know if there's going to come an answer, something's going to have to change. And it's not God. He's not going to change because when you're perfect, you don't need to change. And he says, I know that something has to change on my part. So he said, sometimes to receive an answer to a prayer, I had to make a change. A change in what I was thinking, a change in what I was believing, a change in what I was saying or doing. But uh, nevertheless, every prayer answered. Amen. And... uh, It'll be a blessing to you out there. Get hold of this, a supernatural prayer life. And then this book, His Presence Shall Be My Dwelling Place. That is um, Psalm 23, the Amplified, uh, verse 6. That His presence shall be my dwelling place. Um, Faith is your fellowship. You understand that? Too many times people think faith is... A confession, well, it includes that flow, but faith is first and foremost your fellowship. That to have a strong faith, our fellowship has to be in place. Our fellowship with the Father, our fellowship with Jesus. And in that fellowship, uh, we can move into a, a place of faith, and really our faith is measured by our fellowship. And uh, the greater our fellowship, the greater our faith will be. And so his presence shall be my dwelling place. I decided it was God's intent that I live uh, running this race, uh, not alone. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. But mindful that the greater one's with me. He's in me. And uh, 
So I decided to just live days of heaven on earth. What about you? Then we have this one. I think this is one of the most important books for you to get hold of, Following the Holy Spirit. And uh, you have to realize that for your faith to work right, you have to know how the Spirit's leading you. And I've come to the conclusion after over 25, year, 25 years of pastoring that many just think a good idea is the leading of the Spirit. Many don't know the, how to follow the Holy Spirit. They think that a good idea is how God is leading them. And uh, the leading of the Spirit, you have to take time with the Father to learn that voice and you have to have experience in following. And so uh, following the Holy Spirit, your success is connected to it. Dad, Jesus told Dad Hagen, he said, if you can teach people how to follow the Spirit, you can help them in every arena of life. So whenever I'm, I'm needing answers or whether I'm needing some direction, I don't pray out here, I look in here. He's leading me from in here, in my spirit. And uh, I put up my spiritual intent and I pay attention to what he's saying. And once you learn that, in a moment, you can know exactly how he's leading you. Praise the Lord. Amen. That we're not living this life guessing and going but we're, le we're living being led by the Spirit. Yeah. How many of you know fear drives you, but the Spirit leads you? Amen. And you can know whether or not you're being led by the Spirit by whether you're being driven or by whether you're being led. Mm. Amen? Amen? Well, turn with me again, if you would, to Psalm chapter 8. We started there last Woo! night. Woo! Praise the Lord. Psalm chapter 8, we'll go a little further tonight, but we want to introduce this. And these things thrill me. I know they do you too. Amen. Psalms chapter 8, and we'll again start in verse 4. And the psalmist writes this, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? For God has made man a little lower not than angels, as it reads here, but the proper translation is the word Elohim, so that's translated God. So God has made us a little lower than himself. You say, how can that be? Well, we're in the same class of being as God because we're spirit beings. That's right. We're made in his image. Yeah. God has made man a little lower than himself and has crowned him with glory and honor. God made man to have dominion. Over the works of his hands, God has put all things under man's feet. Amen. God made us to have dominion. We need to live the life we were made to live. Yes. To live in dominion gives us this idea that we're to be dominating. Yes. Dominating the circumstances of life. Dominating that flow which is around us, we decide the flow. Amen. That the flow which is around us doesn't get in unless we allow it in. Yeah. Because we're under the law of the spirit of life. We're all under the law of sin and death. And the flow of sin and death is all around. But we're dominating that flow with the law of the spirit of life. Yeah. We dominate that. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. So we either dominate or we will be dominated. Yes. So if we're to, if we have authority, which we do have, we're going to have to be skillful with it. Mm -hmm. 
as we talked about last night. Why? Because if we're not skillful with our dominion, we will end up being dominated when God intends that we be on top. Yes. That we not be pushed around by the circumstances of life. And it's part of our inheritance is our dominion that's ours in Christ. I want to again read something that Dad Hagen said, and I'll just read the last portion. I read the whole of it last night, but I want to read just the last portion. Dad Hagen made this statement. He said, before Jesus comes again, there's going to be a whole company of believers who will rise up with the authority that is theirs. They will know what is theirs and they will do the work that God intended that they should do. Now go with me if you would to Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. I don't know about you, but I decided I'm going to be in that company. Yes. I choose. Yes. Romans 5, 17. says this, for if by one man's offense, talking about Adam, by Adam's offense, death reigned, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. How many of you know your righteousness was a gift? It's nothing earned, it's given. That we receive of grace and we receive of the gift of righteousness this is the outcome of that. We reign in life. Yes. We reign in life. Yes. We're here to rule and to reign. Amen. Not through government things and just natural ways, but I'm talking about in the spirit. We rule and reign. Yes. And uh, we're to reign over the circumstances of life. That means we get the last word. Amen. You know, uh, the day my husband went home to be with the Lord was the most tragic day of my life, but it was not the hardest day. The hardest day of my life was when I faced tests and I didn't know what the word said. When I wasn't skillful in the word. When I was a spiritual baby and I did not have the skill of a renewed mind. Those were the hardest days. But the most tragic day was the day my husband left. And people would say, well, because I I believe this. I believe for days of heaven on earth. Every day, every day, not valley days. You say, well, you can't always live on the mountain. Well, what Bible are you reading? Greater is he that's in me. He's that great one every day. Don't listen to the tradition of men. It'll rob the word of power. And don't buy into this thing. I got to have a low day and a top day. Sometimes you're on the top. Sometimes you're on the bottom. We're living by the Spirit. And the Spirit doesn't have low days. You say, well, what about the day your husband went home to be with the Lord? Was that a day of heaven on earth? Well, the event was not. His departure was not for me an event of days of heaven on earth. But the flow offered me was still heaven on earth. I can stay in God's flow in the face of that event. That's called reigning in life. Yes. That's called I determine how it affects me. I determine the outcome. And I decided I don't lose momentum. That's 
I decided I don't lose faith. I decided that event won't injure my faith because I'm not going to handle it mentally. Don't you ever look at something that happened that was less than God's best and start evaluating it with your mind. You will injure your faith doing that. You don't know what God's dealt with them about. You don't know what God said to them that they never shared with anybody. You don't know the Spirit's dealings with them for several years, how he may have been trying to work with somebody to get them in the path of victory. And then people accuse the Word or accuse faith of not working when really it's just none of your business. Come on. My husband used to make this statement and I still make it because I don't want people's faith injured. He said, if something doesn't turn out the best, the way it should, God's best, he said, God didn't miss it, man missed it. And I'm sober about it that even when my husband left too early, God didn't miss it. And I'm not going to turn on my salvation and start accusing the flow of salvation. I'm not going to accuse the word. I'll accuse human frailty, the faults of men. Amen. Because we all are subject to that. Dr. Summerall used to say this. He said, every man has feet of clay. (laughs) What's that mean? If there's a miss, it's on man's side, not God's side. Therefore, I can rest easy trusting God because he never missed anything. Amen. Amen. And my, my children didn't stumble and fall off into a pit of depression and grief and sorrow. Why? Because I told them, this doesn't have anything to do with God, doesn't have anything to do with your faith. This isn't between us and God, this is between them, my husband and God. Just let them, let them handle it. Amen. Stay out of what, isn't, it, what God's not talking to you about. Come on. Amen. Amen. Protect your faith Amen. from that mental arena. Get in that mental arena and you will make your faith, you'll make your faith uh, suffer. Yes. Yes. Praise the Lord. We're to rule and reign in life, not figure it out. Just rule and reign. And that day was a tragic day in the sense of not for him. It was a portal of, into God's presence. But for on this side, on this side, when the devil would like to try to paint something less than. uh, But the thing is that the flow of heaven on earth never left that day. I was still chose my flow. That's called reigning. You're choosing. You choose. I stayed in peace. I stayed in joy. The plan of God did not leave with my husband. Right. People are going to enter your life and people are going to leave your life. And the plan of God for your life does not leave with them. And I knew this, the plan of God is not injured because his plan is greater than any human. And his plan can survive anything that happens to a human. And I knew this, I didn't lose any purpose. I didn't lose anything. And I'm not giving up faith's momentum. Because there's a momentum to faith. And I'm not slowing down so that I can ride on sorrow and grief and get buried in something. 
We're to rule and reign in this life. Walk in our authority. Walk in our dominion. And so many people, they take their cues from how others respond. That's fine as long as their response is in line with the word. But if, they're not, if their response is in line with tradition, God offers you a higher flow. Right. Yes. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I said praise the Lord. You know, we're, we're to reign in life as a king. Kings and priests unto God. In the king's domain, what he says is what, is what the outcome is. It doesn't matter who agrees with him. It doesn't matter who doesn't agree. His word is final. Your word is final in your life. Many of you might have seen a testimony. I love it that Brother Copeland played um, at his one of his conventions, and there was this woman who I'd say she was maybe in her forties, early fifties, and she was diagnosed with a terminal condition. And they told her, "You got thirty days." When when she was diagnosed, they told her, "You have thirty days to live." Her dad was a pastor. She had helped him in his pastorate for uh, decades. And she, of course, was not feeling well physically. She was drained of strength. And he came in one day after she had received the diagnosis from the doctor. She was laying on the couch, just laying there. And he walked in and he said, you're, gonna, you're just going to lay there. You're going to die. Get up. Good. You know... Uh, Love, <laughs> love sounds different in certain flows. He didn't walk over and say, well, honey, just let me pray with you. And you can understand if he got in that emotional arena, how you could, you could get on a, you could get on a merry-go-round with that. And he just walked up and said, if you're just going to lay there, you're going to die. And he said, physician, heal thyself. What's that mean? You're authorized. Take the word and run that thing out. And so because her dad said that to her, here he is in his 70s or so, she took the word and she got up and she said when she didn't feel like it and she just confessed the word and she stood on the word and she kept the word in her mouth. And when she went back on day 28, every bit of that was gone. She's supposed to be dead in 30 days. What is it? You determine the outcome. Now, you don't always decide what comes against you, but you certainly determine how what comes against you ends up. My mother used to make a statement to us, you can start anything you're big enough to let me finish. Because you might start something, but I'm going to finish it. And you better make sure you can handle the finish that I'm going to hand out before you start something. You understand that, right? The devil might start something, but the finish is yours. Why? Because you're ruling and reigning. And if you lay down your dominion, the devil will decide what the finish looks like. But God doesn't intend that. Amen. Um, Turn with me. I want to read to you a verse that thrills me. It's going to thrill you. Probably already does, but you're going to get really thrilled. (laughs) Second Corinthians chapter two. Second Corinthians chapter two. And we're going to read in verses 14 and 15. And I'm going to read first out of the King James translation. Second Corinthians Chapter 2, verse 14. Mm -hmm. Now thanks be unto God. 
You see, when you read, when you read through, don't just read through the Bible, meditate through the Bible. So when it says, now thanks be unto God, then just stop that and say, thanks be unto God. Be a doer of the word. Now thanks be unto God for what? Which always, 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 not on valley days, mountain days, always, always causes us to triumph. Yes. In Christ. Yes. You can't triumph without authority. Right. Right. You can't triumph without dominion being exercised. Which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. In them that are saved and in them that perish. Now, let me read to you another translation. You don't probably have this one right there in front of you. So really just listen to this. This is called the Coney Bear translation. But thanks be to God who leads me on from place to place. Listen to this, in the train of his triumph. What's that mean? There is a procession. I'm part of that procession who leads me on from place to place in the train of his triumph. Now listen to the next words, to celebrate. celebrate. To celebrate his victory over the enemies of Christ. Now he's talking about demons. He's not talking about people as enemies. That these demons have been defeated, stripped, spoiled, and God is leading us from place to place in our race and in this life in a holy train to do one thing, celebrate the victory. Not have to go and fight. Celebrate. Celebrate. Because we're not a fighting army, we're an occupying army. We're not fighting for victory. We're occupying with the victory that has already been made ours through Christ. Our job description with our dominion is to celebrate. So when lack shows up, it's not, oh God, oh God, do something. Oh God, it's start celebrating. When you celebrate, you show what you know. When you don't celebrate, you also show what you don't know. He always leads us into triumph. And we are in that rejoicing, triumphant train to demonstrate what has already been completed and we know it's completed. We're not out there trying to get healed. We're not out there trying to become prosperous. We are the healed and symptoms come to try to steal our health. We are the prosperous and lack comes to try to take us out of that flow. We're not trying to get it, it's all ours and, the, and Satan's trying to take it. Our job is to keep him off of what's ours. And when people are praying, oh God, send it, they show what they don't know. When they say, oh God, give it, they show what they don't know. 
it's all, he has already blessed us with all, all, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's already ours. And when you're celebrating, you're demonstrating that you know something. And what you don't know, the devil will defeat you with your own ignorance. The devil is counting on your ignorance to work his plan. And that's why Paul prayed, Father, that you would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 1, 17, 19, that God, that you would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The eyes of their spirits being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Basically, as I said last night, that they would know who they are, what they have, and what they can do because they're in Christ. That's what that means. And when you know it in here, not just up here, when you know it in here, and you're living it day by day, and you're enforcing it day by day, your life is a life of rejoicing and victory and celebrating. Let me read again because we're not done. But thanks be to God who leads me on from place to place in the train of his triumph to celebrate his victory. What's he leading us to do? Celebrate his victory. If we're worrying, we're not doing what he's leading. We quit following his lead. If we're praying in desperation, we're not following his leading. Because he's leading us. When enemies show up, the way he leads us is to celebrate. But thanks be to God who leads me on from place to place. It doesn't matter what the place is. It doesn't matter if it looks like a hard place. It doesn't matter. From place to place. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, I know what to do when I get there. From place to place in the train of his triumph to celebrate his victory. This isn't something I've got to work up and earn. This is something I just have to remember. To celebrate his victory over the enemies of Christ and by me, by men, we send forth the knowledge of him, a fragrant, a steam of fragrant incense throughout the world. For Christ's Fragrance is the fragrance that I offer up to God. I love these words. God leads me from place to place in the train of his triumph. In the world, when you would, before you were saved, and you would do all kinds of things to try to have fun, people would get drunk, you know, people, and you'll see this at a wedding. They'll do a conga line. And somebody's leading it. And you just hook on and you do what they do. They kick out of the left, you kick out of the left, you kick out of the right. If they weave in and out of tables, you just weave and the line gets longer when they go, I want to have fun. So the line gets longer and that conga line just starts moving throughout that room. They were not the first ones to start the original conga line. He leads us in a train. In a processional, a divine conga line, people. (laughs) 
We hook on. When we hook on to who we are in Christ and we hook on with that renewed mind, knowing what is ours, we go from place to place and we just showing up to celebrate. That's all we showing up to do. That's all we showing up to do. We show up at an unpaid bill to celebrate. We show up at symptoms and we celebrate. Hallelujah. You talk about days of heaven on earth, brother. It's an ongoing party. People say, no, you're just not sober. You're just not aware of what life does. Oh, really? I have seen this in the face of death. I've seen this in the face of demons bombarding my mind. I saw that peace was so far greater. I saw that joy was so far greater. That those things were no competition to the flow of divine joy, the flow of divine peace. And they are no competition to what Christ has already worked and made ours. And the more you walk in the dominion of the renewed mind, Did you hear that phrase? The dominion of the renewed mind. The dominion of the mind that thinks right. They get in the conga line and they celebrate their way through this life. And if you're not celebrating, you're not yet operating in in the knowledge that you need to walk in your dominion. The king just says something and then he can leave the throne all day, all month. He just leaves it. He doesn't have to stay up there and keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and and trying to convince those around him that this is true. He says it and then he goes and has himself a nice supper. Or he goes off to a nice celebration. That's what God is saying. When you know something, You get in the train that he has already started. That divine procession celebrating Satan's utter defeat and Jesus' total victory that he made ours. This is really what the renewed mind does for you. When your mind is reaching further into that renewing process, your life gets more joyous. And if it's not, you need to start renewing your mind some more. Because the renewing of the mind leads you into joy. Not because of what you feel, but because of what you know. What you know. What you know. Not because of what you see, but because of what you know. I love something that Dr. Summerall asked when he was a young man in his 20s. He asked a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. He said, Brother Wigglesworth, tell me how you get up in the morning. What a great question. And Smith Wigglesworth said, I jump out of bed and I dance for 10 minutes in the morning. He said, I start out in the flesh and wind up in the Holy Ghost. What was he doing? He's jumping on the train. As soon as he gets up, he jumps on the train. He decides what his day looks like. Why? He's in dominion. He's in authority. Ruling and reigning in life. You can be as sad as you want to be. But you can be as joyous as you want to be. Because the dominion that is ours is total in our life. Not in somebody else's life, but in our life. Our dominion is total. And we are authorized to say today is a joy day. 
And if you're going to follow his leading, you're going to have to get on the train. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You ever heard of a man named uh, Dad Goodwin? Dad Hagen would refer to Dad Goodwin, who was a very uh, precious supply into his life. And Dad Goodwin made this statement. If I fall behind financially, I go into my office, I shut the door, and I start dancing. What's he doing? He's getting on the train. He's celebrating. Because when God is leading you into triumph after triumph, then you're going to have to respond like you're in triumph. Praise the Lord. You have to understand the emphasis of the New Testament is not trying to get God to do something for you. That's not the emphasis of the New Testament. The emphasis of the New Testament is who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ and become skillful with that. That's the emphasis of the New Testament. Amen? Amen. Those who know who they are with greater clarity and they see further into that, they celebrate the most. They're the most joyous. Mm -hmm. So when you see people in the church sad, you know this, they need to know some more. The day my husband went home to be with the Lord was a Friday and I told my kids, Sunday morning, expect a full church. People that come randomly will be there Sunday. They want to see the show. They want to see what show you're playing. And I said, our congregation, they're honorable people. They will take their cues from us. If we go in and show sad, they'll show sad with us out of honor. But if we show, go in and show glad, then they'll be authorized to be joyful in the face of this and be a doer of the word. We're not going to act like what our husband taught doesn't work now. These are the times that faith is for. And we went in and we, I said, you get there. I told the kids, you get there before the ministry of help shows up. Because the ministry of helps is going to be the ones that are greeting the congregation members that arrive. And they already need to know the tone and the flow. And I said, you need to let them know we're celebrating. Because to die is gain. Why? We choose. The devil took a stroke. The devil took an act against us, but we decide what train we're riding. Praise the Lord. Well, you just don't understand how I've suffered. I just know you're offered something better. And the choice is yours. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What about Paul and Silas? They were beaten. Ah, is this a place to get on the train? (laughs) They're beaten. They don't know if they're going to live unless the Spirit of God told them different. They're imprisoned. 
they're in a dark place. They're suffering physically. They prayed. And then they did what? Praise. You know what praise is? Celebrate. They praised and they celebrated. And things started coming open that would have never opened. Why? Because there's a train of celebration. You get in and you're not the only one celebrating. Angelic hosts are celebrating too. Come on. Divine beings are celebrating. And they'll start showing up when you're doing what they're doing in heaven. And doors will start popping open. And things will start breaking off when you do what the divine beings are doing. Heavenly divine beings. Praise the Lord. What about this? Jehoshaphat. They're faced with multiple enemy armies that joined forces to take out God's people. And Jehoshaphat knew we got to hear from God. That's the first thing. We've got to hear from God. So they get together and God speaks to them and says, you don't need to fight in this battle. You don't need to fight. The battle is the Lord's. Tomorrow morning, you go out. So the next morning, they, to, to not fight in the battle doesn't mean you're inactive. To cast your care on the Lord doesn't mean you cast your faith away. You've got to keep your faith active even when you've cast your care. You're not inactive. So God said, I'll fight in the battle, but they had to show up. They show up tomorrow morning. And so when they did, Jehoshaphat reminded them what God said through the prophet of God the day before. Why? Because after people get out of the setting of the congregation, they can go back to their homes and their minds start thinking. And they start measuring calculations and things that are against them. They get in that mental arena. So when they came back together the next morning, he reminded them. How do, you, how do you keep reigning in life? You have to remind yourself what God said to you in church, what the pastor said to you. You have to remind yourself when you're outside of that setting of corporate faith. And when they came back together, he reminded them, believe the prophets and you'll prosper. And then he told them, God said, appoint praisers, singers, Put them up front. These, this was not a fighting army. This was a celebrating army. This was a rejoicing army. And God said, put the praisers up front. What's that mean? Get them on the train. And they go up front, not with a sword, not with any kind of weapons, not with any kind of shields, but with... For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's the only thing. And Jehoshaphat told him what to say. That's all you say. You don't say anything else. He didn't leave them to figure out what they would say in their praise. He assigned their words of praise. And it says, and when they began to praise, at the very beginning of it, He didn't have them praise in an hour before something happened. When they began to praise the Lord, set ambushments. The moment they start celebrating, God starts working. 
the majority, when you have a need and you are endeavoring to re release your faith, it only takes a moment to release your faith. It only takes a moment to confess the word. Yes, right. What you're going to do from the time you release your faith to the time your answer shows up. There's a great span of time. You better not be worrying. You better not be fearing. You better not be in that mental arena entrenched in there trying to cycle through and figure out your answer. The majority of your prayer life is to be praising, worshiping, celebrating. If it's not, you're not following the lead he's, he's taken you in. Yes, express your, your, your request to God. Yes, release your faith. But in the, releasing, in, in the releasing of your faith, learn to release your faith through celebration. Dad Hagen talked about how when, you know, he was raised up off of a deathbed, had incurable heart conditions. And throughout his, his life at different times, those symptoms would try to come back. He was in mom and dad Goodwin's house. He was preaching for them. And while he was there with them, heart, heart symptoms tried to come back. And he said, serious heart conditions. He says, I've been dead before. I know what that feels like. He said, alarming heart symptoms. And he said, I just pulled the covers up over my head and started laughing. <laughs> he said, I pulled my covers up over my head because I didn't want to disturb everybody else in the house. He said, I started laughing. He said, ha, ha, ha. He said, I put it on. He said, it was not a laughter I felt like. He says, I put it on. He said, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. People say, what good does that do? Well, let me tell you in a minute here. <laughs> he said, I went on for about 10 minutes saying that. And he said, then the devil spoke to me. He said, what you laughing at? He said, I'm laughing at you. He said, why are you laughing at me? He said, because you said to me, this is one time you're not going to get your healing. The devil said, that's right. This is one time you're not going to get your healing. He said, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. And then a few minutes later, the devil says, what are you laughing at? He said, I already told you what I'm laughing at. I'm laughing at you. He said, why are you laughing at me? This is one, you said this is one time I'm not going to get my healing. He said, that's right. This one time you're not going to get your healing. Brother Hagin said, devil, I'm not trying to get my healing. I've already got my healing. See, if we think that we've got to get what we've already been given, that's ignorance. And the devil will use that lack of knowledge to defeat you with. Trying to get you, trying to get trying to get this. I got to get, I got to pray long enough. I've got to read my Bible enough. I've got to quote enough to get it. No, 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 no. You read your Bible so that you can know what you already got. That's right. Yeah. Amen. To drive the truth of that into your right. spirit. Amen. Reading your Bible doesn't give it to you more. I'm not diminishing reading the word, but I'm saying the word shows you what you've already been given. Yeah. And he said, you're, he said, you told me that I've got to get my healing. He said, I already got my healing. And that's what I'm rejoicing about. And he said, as soon as I said that, he said, then every symptom left me. Now, 
Why was he going, ha, 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 ha? Dad Hagen had learned you can release faith through sounds of faith. It doesn't do any good to say, ha, 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 if you're not going to release your faith from your spirit. It doesn't do you any good to dance in church if you're not releasing your faith while you're dancing. It's not going to do you any good to sing and lift your hands to God if you're not releasing your faith when you sing. Your spirit has to be engaged. These are spirit actions. People come to church and they say, oh, I see people running or dancing. That doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't to the unrenewed mind. People say, well, that looks crazy. And it is crazy. It's crazy if you don't release your faith. But if you release your faith, it's dominion. It's an act of dominion. You know why we can celebrate? Because we're in charge. The victory has been won. He always causes us to triumph because of what Christ did for us and gave us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The greatest defense that you have is a renewed mind. Right thinking. If Dad Hagen would have thought on that bed that night, I've got to get my healing, he'd have lost his health. But he thought right. The greatest defense you have against the enemy is to renew your mind. Think like God. Take on God's thoughts. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now go with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. And I'm going to read out the Amplified. If you have the ability to pull up an Amplified on your device, you might want to do that. Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 28, the Amplified. And do not for a moment, for a moment, for a moment, be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. Why? Why? You're in dominion. If you show any fear, you've forgotten you're in dominion. And what you forget can cost you. Do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. For such constancy... And fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof, and seal to them of their impending destruction. But a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation. And that's from God. Amen. Amen. What's he saying? When adversaries show up, it matters what you do with this. It matters what you let show on your face and how you respond. If you like drama, so does the devil. (laughs) There is an exercise of dominion. You can exercise dominion in two primary ways. I I mean, I want to talk about these two primary ways. We mentioned it last night, James 4, 7. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
So when something shows up, you're authorized to talk to it and say, no, you don't. And the more consistent you are with that, the quicker it'll work for you every time. Now, if you're inconsistent, it won't work very quick for you. Why? It's like children. I mean, if every time they do it wrong, every time you're right there and you say, no, you don't, they get back in the line real quick. But if you let them get by with it for a month or two, and then you try to exercise your authority, it may take them, take them a while to get them back in line. Why? Because you've taught them inconsistency. You've taught them that you might not demand your rights over them. Same thing with the devil. The more consistent you are, the quicker he'll leave every time you address him. So it's right to, when something shows up, to tell it to leave. It's within your scope of dominion and authority. But there is another flow of operating. And that is because you renew your mind and you know something, before anything shows up, you go around and you slam the doors. And you, you give him no entrance into any place. I'm slamming the door against him in my marriage. I'm slamming the door against him in my health. I'm slamming the door against him in my family. I'm slamming the door against him in my finances. Why? Because when you know what the word says, it helps you close the door. Yes. Ephesians 4:27 says this, neither give place to the devil. So one way of exercising your authority is you don't have to address him, just slam the door. Yes. He can't get in. That's right. You go, well, I don't know what you mean by that. The devil always has to be talked to. Not always. Not when you know something. You don't even have to for a moment be frightened, intimidated by your adversary. Because your constancy, your fearlessness means you show up every time with your authority. It's like this, when Smith Wigglesworth went to sleep one night and he sensed an evil presence in the room. He turned over on his bed and saw Satan in manifested form sitting on his bed. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't resist him. You know what he said? Oh, it's just you. And he rolled back over and went to sleep. Why? He knew something. The door was shut. You're not, you're not messing with me. I know you're defeated. That's a le- whole nother level of skill and dominion. Now, you, you, he could have said, I bind you, I resist you in the name of Jesus, get out of here. He could have said that and it would work. But there is such a place when you know what you know that you don't even have to use your words, the constancy of your fearlessness. You just show up. Okay. When we went to Lusaka, Zambia, Africa years ago, 2006, Ed and Stephen and I went. And they took us on a safari to just go out. We were in a Jeep and they just drove us out where all the wild animals were. Fabulous things we saw. Things you don't see in Oklahoma. (laughs) Hyenas, elephants, giraffes, all kinds of things. They drove us by the lions. Now the hyenas, when the Jeep would come by, I mean, they just, you know, they're just, they're high strung. They're, they're, they're whack. They are whack. And they look like they whack. The elephants, actually, we were out there, and this, they would have certain men that would help 
keep the elephants. They would stay with them. And when we were driving by, this man that was basically a keeper of the elephants, there was a male and a female, and evidently that was mating season. And the man got too close to the female, and the male elephant didn't like it, and he took off after him. So we came up on the scene, and there was a clump of trees, and that elephant was putting one foot on a tree. I mean, massive trees, full-grown trees, put a foot on it, just knocked it down, put a foot on another tree because that man was in the trees hiding. And he was just flattening those trees out. And he saw our Jeep and he came and ran on, ran on and jumped on the bumper because that elephant was in full speed after him. And I went, get off, man. That's your elephant, not ours. <laughs> That's not our fight. That's your fight. <laughs> but he was glad to see our Jeep because that elephant was flattening out that clump of trees faster than he could move around to get in them. But we drove up to one area and see, that, so we saw these, the giraffes were running and the elephant was chasing and, and the hyenas were at whack. And, <laughs> but we came to the lions and we drove by. They didn't move. They're laying there and they look at us. Why? They're at the top of the food chain and they know it. They know they're at the top of the food chain. And they just look at us. And then there were some hyenas off to the side, you know, and they're screaming. That elephant didn't dig it up and run over there and deal with that. That elephant just looked at it. Like, you don't dare. You don't dare. You could tell in its countenance. That's what this is talking about. Yeah. In Philippians chapter 1, when Paul says, don't, be in, don't for a moment be frightened, intimidated by anything. For such constancy and fearlessness is proof. It's a sign that they lose, you win. On the inside of you is the line of the tribe of Judah. He will make you. You're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off, cleaning up the messes of the devil's movement. You in dominion and authority look at him and say, you don't dare. You just don't dare. And that is a flow of dominion. Amen. Whether you say anything or not, what you know is seen. Well, praise the Lord. Stay with me a couple more minutes. Luke chapter four, then we'll close with this. Luke chapter four, verse 18. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus got up in his hometown, in the synagogue. They delivered to him the book of Isaiah. He did not quote it, yet he knew it. He was it. (laughs) He found the place where it was written. It does matter that you're looking at your own Bible. And he got up and He declared his job description. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because, now he tells why it's upon him. Here's his job description. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. See, the poor don't need money. They need the gospel. Why? To change their thinking. Poverty is a thinking issue. It's not a money issue. You can throw money at all these countries. 
that are in poverty, you'll never, and, and it hasn't changed anything for hundreds of years. Hadn't changed it. Why? Because you haven't changed your thinking. It's the gospel. It's the word that changes the thinking. He sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. He didn't send me to fund and do social work. I'm not against social work, but it'll never take the place of giving them the gospel. And listen, the world can do social work. The world can't give them the gospel. You have to be anointed to give the gospel. Not diminishing social work, but we're, do what we're anointed for. Preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Look at this. To preach deliverance to the captives. What's it, what does it mean, preach deliverance to the captives? Tell them, you're already free. You're already delivered. You got to go tell people that are bound that. Because yes. it's not about them getting free. It's about them finding out they are free. Yes. Preach deliverance to the captives. It doesn't say pray deliverance to the captives. Preach deliverance. What's that mean? Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. And sometimes you got to keep telling them and you got to keep telling and you got to keep telling because they have been entrenched in a flow of captivity, a mentality of captivity, a victim mentality. Get rid of a victim mentality. Once you're born again, I don't care what's happened in the past. You are no longer a victim to your past unless you decide to be. And I tell you, some people have been so horrifically treated by other humans, but Jesus frees you from it all. And people have been entrenched for years in what somebody did to them and how they began in life. It doesn't matter how you began. It matters how you choose to finish. And you choose your finish. You might not have chose your beginning, but you choose your finish. Preach deliverance to the captives. There is a place for prayer, but it's not a substitute for telling people. Sometimes when you go to work and people say, you know, they know you're a Christian, oh, pray for me. Let me just tell you some things. Let me just tell you something. Because I don't need you, that's a problem. You've been praying, wanting, trying to get God to do something, and he's wanting you to find out something. There was uh, somebody in a service of mine and I was at home and God brought this person up to me one day when I was just sitting at home studying. And he told me what this person was being challenged with, what the devil was telling this person. And they had struggled over the time. They, their, their childhood was a mess. They grew up twisted. And so it, it, takes, it takes time to get the truth into, into people. And uh, so God told me what they were facing, so I, I, I prayed for them as I was sitting there. And then uh, I didn't preach every service, you know, then. And uh, so about a month later, I'm preaching the service, and I look out, and they're sitting there, and the, and the anointing came on me, prompted me to call them out. And so I called them out, and I said, come here. And I didn't tell anything that would embarrass him. I just said, God's been having, he put, he put you on my heart, told me some of the things you're facing. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah. She, she was relieved to know that God was interested. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, she said, yeah, she said, yeah. And I said, let me tell you what to do with those thoughts. And I stood there in front of the congregation and I taught her. Each thought that was coming to her, I told her how to answer it. I told her how to think right and I took some time to do it. Well, there was somebody that was a minister that was in the service that day. And afterwards they told me, they said, don't you know there was a demon talking to that girl? You should have cast the devil off of her. And I said, don't you know that if I cast the devil off of her, as soon as I walk out of the room, the devil's coming back? My help is not, her help is not in me casting the devil off of her. My, her help is me preaching deliverance. So that she knows what to tell that devil. And if she won't tell that devil, it doesn't matter how many times I cast it off, it's going to come back. Meaning this, when people have any kind of mental capacity, they're going to have to act for themselves. Your pastor can't do everything for you. Stand up in your own dominion. Stand up in your own authority. Quit waiting for your husband or your wife to do it for you. Quit waiting for your pastor. Preach deliverance to the captives. You're going to have to tell them and they're going to have to do it for themselves. So if you say, you know, I'm under a lot, I just would appreciate somebody praying for me. That's not what it says here. If, you're, if you need deliverance, you need to be preached to. You need to be told something so that you'll know what to do when you walk out of that place. Amen. But we get into this religious world, well, I'm going to pray for you. Don't leave them in their ignorance. Tell them something. Amen. Now, Amen. You, get, you get people that they've lost their mind completely, then you're going to have to get before God and position yourself so that if the gift of the Spirit would go into operation to help cast that devil off of them, that you make yourself available to that flow. Because when their mind is gone and they can't, then you're going to need a gift of the Spirit to help them. But that's not most people. Most people have enough, enough uh, ability to direct their thinking. And there you're going to have to tell them. So I te- these things I tell you, not so you can come back and say, well, I'm going to have pastor pray for me next week. No, 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 no. We tell you these things so you can walk out of here and do exactly what you've been hearing. Yeah. Exercise your dominion. Exercise your authority. Yeah. It'll work for you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And if we're held captive, it's our own fault. Yeah. Once we've been told. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you helped tonight? Yes. The biggest part, the biggest flow of our dominion is celebrating. If you would just start celebrating. Let me tell you, sometimes you really need to make a step do something, change something for that situation to turn and you don't know what that is. There have been times I go, I know I'm missing and I'm missing something here. I'm, I'm, there's something I need to do, something I need to change, something I need to address, but I don't know what it is. If you'll start celebrating, he'll talk to you. It's in that celebrating flow, you'll hear what you didn't know. Amen. It's not in the worry flow. And it's not always in the praying, begging flow. It's in the celebrating flow. Amen. 
And I trust him to bring me into what I don't know. I trust him to do that. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Father. We rejoice. We celebrate. You made us. You made us for dominion. You made us for dominion. Let me... And like I said, be mindful. Be mindful that when you open your mouth to rejoice, release faith. Hook that up to your spirit. Yet something has to flow out of you. It's not just a sound. It's not just an action. It's the faith that's released through that action. The faith that's released through that sound of rejoicing. It's not a mental thing we're doing. It is a faith flow that we're doing. Hallelujah. We rejoice, Father. We thank you for that victory that is ours. Who we are. Who we are. What we have. And what we can do because we are in Christ. And what you do and work through us, we rejoice, we rejoice. No matter, you know, you might be outnumbered when you turn around and look at adversaries and circumstances. There might be a lot of circumstances against you. You might be outnumbered in that respect, but you're never outpowered. Mm. Never outpowered. Mm. Never outpowered. I mean, look at Gideon's army. God just kept diminishing it in number, diminishing it in number, diminishing it in number. Why? Because you might be outnumbered, but you're never outpowered. You have greater authority than anything that's opposing you. You have greater dominion than anything that's opposing you. Why? It's Christ's shared dominion. Amen. The authority that is his is shared with us. He is the head. We are the body. The same dominion, the same authority that is his as the head is ours as the body. Amen. And it's not something you have to feel. It's something you know from in here. Amen. And you got to build it in you when you're driving your car. Say, his authority is my authority. His dominion is my dominion. His victory is my victory. You build it in by meditating on it, speaking it to yourself. Build that thing into your inner consciousness. Hallelujah. Jesus, we glorify you. We magnify you. You might say, Pastor Nancy, I don't understand all that. You don't have to understand it. Just let your heart agree with it. This is too big for the mind to wrap around. Amen. We're in dominion because he says so. 
You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.